the other dream is that it will go into the schools and teachers will read it with their kids and that Bishop will become better known here in Nova Scotia, here in the Atlantic. And I mean, Emma and I have this dream that this book's going to go all over, that it will travel. Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, author Rita Wilson. It seems hard to believe, but a renowned poet, winner of the Pulitzer Prize and the National Book Award in the United States, who wrote some of her finest work about her childhood in this region, is largely unread here. Elizabeth Bishop was born in Massachusetts, but her father died when she was just eight months old, and her mother descended into a mental illness from which she never recovered. Elizabeth was sent to stay with her maternal grandparents in Great Village, Nova Scotia, on the shores of Cobequid Bay. At the age of six, her father's family repatriated her to the States, but Bishop's formative years in Great Village remained an abundant spring for the rest of her life as a writer. Rita Wilson has collaborated with illustrator Emma Fitzgerald to create an enchanting book entitled A Pocket of Time, The Poetic Childhood of Elizabeth Bishop. Rita Wilson, welcome to Book Me. Thank you, Custis. You're a poet, winner of the Atlantic Poetry Prize. Roughly how old were you when you became aware of Elizabeth Bishop's poetry? Well, I'm appalled to admit that I was in my early 60s. I was an English major in university. When I moved to Nova Scotia 40 years ago, I read deeply and widely of Canadian literature, and I came to Bishop by mistake. By mistake, how did you find out? How did you connect? Well, I was interested in Sable Island. I had gone to Sable Island for a day. So this is a very roundabout way to find Bishop. And Zoe Lucas was giving a talk at the Bishop House in Great Village. She's the Sable Island expert who's lived out there for decades. She is, exactly. And I had met her when I was on Sable Island, so the location meant nothing to me. I was just going to hear Zoe talk about Sable Island. And when I got there, Sandra Berry was the person who was introducing Zoe to the people who were there, and she made a couple of mentions about this house that had belonged to Elizabeth Bishop's grandparents and that Bishop was this famous poet. And I was just pretty much taken aback. And so two months later, when Sandra was giving a talk at the Bishop House, I went with my daughter, who was recently graduated from college. And I had thought, okay, it's okay. I grew up in the States. I didn't go to school here. There's a reason that I don't know anything about Bishop, although she's very famous in the States. So I bring my daughter, who has gone to elementary and high school in Nova Scotia, and Sandra does her amazing introduction of Bishop and takes us through the house and has a story for every room. And like, I'm enchanted. Catherine, my daughter's enchanted, and we leave the house, and she's like, how could I have gone to school in Nova Scotia and never heard about Elizabeth Bishop? So that was the seed of um, wanting to change that. Well, good for you. Yeah. (laughs) Now, you also have been an elementary school teacher. How did that affect your reaction to Bishop's poems that are rooted in her early years? Well, probably having that perspective of having worked with young children and having had my own children, the detail and the precision and the emotion that she 
portrays and those stories and poems. So first of all, I found them incredibly moving, but also I felt like there was a really direct connection that children could make with those stories and poems. So there was a lot of potential there. I felt that way, yeah. In the book, you have very often just phrases from Elizabeth Bishop's poems, but you have written text to, to provide us some context. Could you read an excerpt? Sure. Okay. So this is going to skip around a bit. Um, the first part is from the introduction. It was the small town of Great Village, Nova Scotia, where her mother's parents, Gammy and Pa to Elizabeth, lived in a white clabbered house. It was at Gammy and Pa's that Elizabeth remembered learning to walk, to read, to write, to sing hymns, and to catch bumblebees in foxglove flowers. It's where she first went to school, and when she was five, it's where her mother left for the Nova Scotia hospital, from which she never returned. And it is at Gammy and Pa's that this story takes place. Walk up the path on the side of the house, past the landmark elm, past the foxgloves, the cosmos, the Johnny Jump Ups. Elizabeth sits on the back steps, peeling the paper off her slate pencil. She notices the letters she makes have different expressions. Sometimes the capital E and B in her name look almost sad, but other times they turned fat and cheerful, almost with roses in their cheeks. It's almost supper time, and Gammy says it's time to get fixed up. She lets Elizabeth brush her silver hair full of combs of matching silver-colored celluloid. Elizabeth stands on the rungs of the rocking chair, swaying and brushing, pretending to play a tune before we stick them in, so my grandmother's hair is full of music. Supper is finished. The lamp has yet to be lit. The day is moving from dusk to dark. Elizabeth looks at the window panes and notices the reflections there. She sees herself. She sees her grandmother and wonders, where were they before? Here we all were, at last, doubly together. There are always so many things to wonder about. Although there are more, these are all the memories I want to keep on remembering. When you read this book, you will meet this girl who fell in love with words and who used her childhood memories to recreate her great village world for each of us, and who wrote, We lived in a pocket of time. It was close. It was warm. You so effectively captured... I guess the kind of fresh perspective that a, a child her age has on the world around her and in a way that the random things that catch her attention. Mm. Thank you. Um, when you read her prose and her poetry, it is just full of that kind of detail and observation and childhood kind of innocence, but also the words always slide over into poetry and there's an emotion and sometimes strangeness and sometimes um, fear. Like there are a lot of different emotions that she portrays through the work. Bishop described the years in Great Village uh, with her mother's parents, as, as you just read a, a mm -hmm. few moments ago, as close mm -hmm. and warm. Mm -hmm. Does that hint at a contrast with her adult life experience? I think it's a definite contrast with her immediate experience after she left Great Village when she went to her paternal grandparents' house where she was only there for eight months, but that was a period of illness and isolation and loneliness. So there was kind of like a break there after being at Gamia Paz. 
And she did struggle through her whole life with various things. She struggled with looking for home. She had said she was the loneliest person in the world, although she did have loves and friendships. And um, I think that I'm remembering Thomas Travisano, who's one of her biographers. He says that from his point of view, Great Village is the place that was most home to Elizabeth. And, she, and I think her writing about it from Brazil kind of circles back to that at a place where she felt probably the most at home she had felt since her childhood that she was able to write about her childhood. And she didn't just write poetry. She wrote uh, short stories that touched on, on, on that period as well. Yes, yeah, she wrote and most of them were published in The New Yorker. So she wrote In the Village, which is a very long piece of prose, almost like prose poetry. She wrote Gwendolyn. She wrote Primer Class. And then she wrote The Country Mouse, which is the story about her leaving Great Village. And, and quite a bit of poetry, too, that has to do with Nova Scotia in particular, but some of it, it deals with her childhood specifically. Uh, reading the the poetry set in, in Great Village reminded me of what happens sometimes when you watch a movie that's been shot locally, mm-hmm. and that happens around the Atlantic provinces. Uh, there's just so much that's familiar. Mm-hmm. You, you can forget about the art involved in creating, well, I guess in this case, the poetry. Mm-hmm. Did you get that feeling sometimes? I felt like that it actually gives you something to hang on to. You know how people can be so afraid of poetry. And because it was so clear and so detailed and you could walk through each room and you could say, oh, yes, there's the cupboards with so many drawers and you have all of these very specific details to hang on to. And you walk across the Iron Bridge and you look out over the river and then you remember her words that the river goes slip or, you know, like so... Yeah, the gurgling sound. The, the gurgling slope. sound of the, of the river. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I felt like that the words, like the very detail, almost opened the door to the poetry in a way that was very inviting and friendly, which is one of my hopes that through this book, that what might be fearful poetry, that people will feel that this is inviting instead and that they'll seek Bishop out more. The importance of the the Elizabeth Bishop House in Great Village, mm-hmm. I guess, can't be underestimated to the writing community. Tell us about that connection. Well, Gammy and Pa's house actually still exists at this point, and I think it's not, I mean, maybe it doesn't have the same wallpaper or the same carpet, but the sense of the house, it, especially after you read Bishop's work, when you walk through, every single room has some aspect of her writing. So it's almost like... Um, I've stayed there a few times, and you can sleep in the bed in the skylight room where Bishop was, and you can imagine being sick in bed with bronchitis, and you can imagine Gammy coming in with the button basket and playing with them to pass the time of day. So I think it it takes away the layers between the words and the reality, and you are actually right there in her story. And having the house there affords that for artists and authors who come. Also, we're hoping it will afford it for school kids who can read the book and then come to the house and actually look at the things that are in the book. So it's the immediacy of it and the holding the tradition, I think, is what's so valuable about it. In an earlier podcast on on Book Me, I interviewed your collaborator, Emma Fitzgerald, uh, who illustrated uh, A Pocket of Time. She said you were both 
nerds when it came to Elizabeth <laughs> Bishop and the house she grew up in. How did you meet? We we actually met. So this is part of her description of us as nerds, and Emma is amazing. Um, we were both at an Elizabeth Bishop Society AGM, and she just the other night we were at an opening, and she, we were speaking with someone else, and she said, and really only nerds go to the... <laughs> Which I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that. In a good way. <laughs> yeah. And she had heard from someone that I had written a book about Bishop and that it had been accepted by Nimbus. And she came up to me in her great outgoing style. And she was like, I want to illustrate that book. And I was kind of like, well, I have nothing to say about it, actually. Um, and then she had just illustrated Sherry's book. And had worked with Sherry Whitney, Fitch's book. Yeah. Sherry Fitch's book, mm-hmm. and had worked with Whitney at Nimbus on that book. And so, I think she went home immediately, or maybe she texted on her phone before <laughs> she got home to Whitney, saying, "I want to illustrate this book." And then Whitney emailed me and said, "How do you feel about Emma Fitzgerald illustrating your book?" And I was like, "Whoa, that would be amazing." That was quick. It was so quick. It was it was very quick. I mean, probably within the course of a week, but it was very quick. And I mean, the glory of Emma is that she is a bishop file, and she had spent five years reading Bishop, sleeping in Bishop's bed in Brazil, sleeping in Bishop's bed in Great Village. And so she brought such depth to the illustrations. Like she didn't just read the words on the page. She took all of her knowledge, and often I'm still finding in the illustrations added details that aren't even on the page. So it's a gift. We don't want to create the impression that there's some cult around <laughs> Elizabeth Bishop. Oh, but, I think there but is there a are, cult. But there are bishop files for <laughs> yes. sure. But, but to go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, do you think because of books like this, you, you might be able to cultivate uh, a well-deserved greater interest in Elizabeth Bishop in this region? Oh, it's my dream. It's totally my dream. And that was one of the points of a children's book. I think where poetry can be so daunting for adults that to have a children's book and parents are going to read with their children. And the other dream is that it will go into the schools and teachers will read it with their kids and that Bishop will become better known here in Nova Scotia, here in the Atlantic. And I mean, Emma and I have this dream that this book's going to go all over, um, that it will travel. And I found some of the best children's books are are books that are read really on two levels, one for the children, but also for the adult reading them. Exactly. And, and it's actually, it seems like a very rich time, or maybe this is my hopefulness. There are several books about poets that are children's books that are so powerful, like there's E.E. E. Cummings, Emily Dickinson, and um, yeah, beautiful books for children that I as an adult read and am fascinated by. So that's that's the dream, yes. Rita Wilson, thank you for coming in to book me. No, oh, thank you. Rita Wilson is the author of A Pocket of Time, The Poetic Childhood of Elizabeth Bishop. It's published by Nimbus. To catch any or all of the conversations I've had with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, go to bookmepodcast.ca. That's bookmepodcast.ca. And a hot tip, whenever we have a new interview, we post an alert on Instagram. We are bookmepodcast. Pass the word about our podcast to friends, family, and book club pals, everyone you know who's a reader. We'd also love it if you could rate or review our podcast on your favorite download site. And if you'd like to comment on a podcast like today's with Rita Wilson, our email address is info at 
bookmepodcast.ca. That's info at bookmepodcast.ca for emails. Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Thanks to the Halifax Central Library for the use of its studio. Our producer is Robin Grant, and Lynn Fox's technical skills are pure poetry. I'm Costas Halabrezos. Now, let's go read. Thank you.